0: Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post production for the wedding and portrait photographer visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, so we are officially live. My friend Laura Neff is here with me. Thanks, Laura, for joining the Boca podcast today.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I know, me too. And and I'm kind of like a little kid just preparing for this conversation and doing a little bit of research. And uh, we actually had the opportunity to meet back at United, the United Conference, back in, I think it's October, right?
1: Yeah, October, November, over tacos.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we were grabbing, I think, maybe lunch one day, and we ended up in conversation. And I was absolutely blown away by two things. One, that there was, well, somebody like yourself who was actually interested in in workflow. Uh, I, I figured that I'm kind of one of the few lone geeks in the photography industry who actually enjoy studying workflow and then helping other photographers with it. But not only are you passionate about it, but you actually want to help other photographers with it. And this is such an unusual thing. And uh, I, I want to let you introduce yourself to the book of podcast listeners. But before I do that, I actually want to read a clip from your Instagram account, which so beautifully sums up what I'm excited about getting into today. And I think what makes you so wonderfully unique And it goes like this, hey friend, I wanted to share with you a little bit more about why I do what I do, teaching photographers and business owners about productivity and workflow. It's so much more than just working less and being organized. The heart behind Laura Lee Creative is that you get to live more. When I launched this business, it was because every ounce of me wanted to share everything I've learned about productivity and systems and workflow so that you can live an intentional life, doing more than just work, doing the things that make you feel alive. Because that's the thing, friend. It's not just about you anymore. Getting organized, creating a system, and taking back your time is about every single person and every single relationship in your life. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to quit a nine-to-five to work 24-7, that you don't have to sacrifice your dream life or any relationships for your dream job. Finding balance between the job that sets your heart on fire and the relationships that make you feel alive is possible, which is why the core values of this brand are the following. Number one, relationships, time to foster your relationships with friends, family, your spouse, your kids, and grow them. Number two, self-care, getting enough sleep, eating healthy, taking care of your mind and body. Number three, passion, having the energy to remain passionate about what sets your heart on fire, having the tools, mindset, and passion to keep the fire burning. Number four, travel and adventure. Having the time and resources to travel and adventure often. I cannot live if I didn't have ability to travel and experience different cultures and people all over the world. It is my hope for you that in 2017, you'll find time and space in your heart and your business to foster all these things, and I'm determined to help you get there. I, I don't know that you could sum up more beautifully <laughs> what you do, what you're about, and I'm literally am getting goosebumps reading this because, uh, as you and I talked about briefly before I hit the record button, this is so much in line with what Photographer's Edit is, is about and what my personal brand is ultimately about, why I do what I do. So I'm excited to, to dive into this today. Uh, and I'm, frankly, I'm just excited to have somebody on who has similar values because, you know, as long as I've been working with Photographer's Edit, um, and doing work to promote photographers at it, and to encourage photographers to outsource post production. I hear over and over and over again this this kind of self-centered mentality when it comes to the reasoning behind why they won't give up that post production work. And of course, this is applicable to so many different things in business. But as you so beautifully summed up in this in this post, it's not just about you anymore. It's about relationships and and the fact that whether it's editing or album design or accounting work or whatever busy work is getting in the way of business owners, photography business owners, connecting with the important people in their life. If, the, if they're not focusing on doing whatever they possibly can to get rid of that busy work or minimize that busy work, then they're ultimately missing out on relationships. So, wow, I'm, I'm excited to dive into all of this, um, but I've talked way too much already. So I, <laughs> I want to hear about you. Tell me about yourself, where you're from, where you're based right now.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here, first of all. So thank you so much for having me. Um, So I am based out of northern New Jersey in a little town called Vernon. Uh, So I'm pretty much up in the country and the mountains. And there's a lot to do around here if you like the outdoors, which I do, um, like hiking and rafting and all that good stuff. So that's awesome. And I am owning now two businesses, essentially, Lee Photography and Lee Creative. So
0: Perfect. And we're going to actually, yeah. And we're going to get into both those businesses here in just a second. You mentioned, um, you, you live kind of out away from, from city life. You're out, out in the country, if you will. What is it about the outdoors that you're passionate about? This is something that you mentioned on your photography website as well.
1: Yeah, I just, I feel so grounded when I'm outside and I grew up in the country, so I was never big on the hustle and bustle. I just think it really roots me in balance and just kind of being outside lets you breathe and it's just it's really powerful like especially being on a mountaintop or something like that it's just it makes you feel really small and I think that's a really cool feeling so I just love the fresh air and all of my photography sessions. I try to be on a mountaintop or by a waterfall or something like that. But I just love it. I grew up with it and I'm not good in crowded cities. It's not my thing.
0: I hear you. Yeah. I I can find some excitement in being, even going to Manhattan, for example, um, for a shorter amount of time, but doing that for an extended period of time is kind of exhausting. And and so I I hear you. Not only is there peace in being outdoors, but you mentioned feeling small. It brings perspective, which I think is a, a great point. Um, Are you originally from New Jersey or are you from a different location or a different area of the country?
1: Yep. I have lived in this town my whole life, two different houses, but yep, born and raised in Vernon, New Jersey.
0: I love it. Well, this is normally the point of the podcast where I'm asking our interviewee about their family, Uh, but I, I found something else in your Instagram account that was absolutely beautiful. This is about a particular relationship in your life, and so I wanted to go ahead and share this with our listeners as well. Uh, I'll try to do this without getting emotional because honestly, <laughs> I, I was reading this earlier and I had, I guess, just the right music playing in the background and I was, I was reading it and it, it made me emotional. It was so beautiful. But let me just read this for our listeners. Five years ago, I came to your dorm room as a friend, getting ready to go out on the town with everyone. I forgot my jacket in your room when we all left for the train station. So while everyone went ahead to the bar, you came up with me to grab my jacket. You told me to wait a second before running out the door again. You said something in Danish that I didn't understand. And I think you actually wrote it out there in Danish, but it meant, I have a question. After I asked you to translate, you nervously spit out, I know there's only an hour left of Valentine's Day, but I think everyone should have one. And I was wondering if you'd be mine. Oh, and I don't know if you even like chocolate, but I got you chocolate. So here. You blinked a few times as I squealed with this excitement and eagerly accepted your offer. We missed the train with everyone to go to the bar, so we decided to grab a bottle of wine and stroll around the harbor until we finished it before going to the bar. We never ended up opening that wine, but as it started to rain and all the twinkle lights in the Royal Playhouse shined ever so bright, I wrapped my hand up in yours, and by the time we got to the end of the harbor, I built up enough courage to kiss you for the first time. You told me that you were happier than a five-year-old in Disney around me, and I'm happy to report that I've felt like a five-year-old in Disney every day since. I love you with my whole heart for my whole life, and I'm so happy that you get to be my valentine for five years in a row." Thank you for loving me unconditionally and sweatpants and messy buns and everything in between. You make me laugh every day and smile so much my cheeks hurt. My, my feet still shake from excitement when we get to cuddle, and every day I can't imagine loving you more than, and then somehow I wake up the next day and I do. I love you forever and ever. And we talked about, just a few minutes ago, the importance of relationships, and uh, wow, I mean, what more beautiful way, can you sum up a relationship then, then with this, who are you talking about in this Instagram post?
1: Uh, so that is my boyfriend of almost five and a half years now, Scott. Uh, we actually met in Denmark, so he's not Danish, but he was taking Danish class, which is why he asked me out in Danish.
0: Well, quite the smooth little move there, but what, <laughs> what is it about, about Scott that you're passionate about? What, what makes you guys click?
1: uh well we're definitely really similar in the creative aspect we both went to school for design and he actually also wanted to go to school for photography neither of us ended up doing that but he's actually the one who taught me how to use photoshop and how to shoot manual on my camera that's so awesome ever since day 1 like i I'll tell like a quick story. We were in Berlin and it was my 21st birthday. It was five days into knowing each other. And I naturally had to take pictures of absolutely everything. And he was the only one to wait for me. Like every, we were with like eight other people. It was negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit and oh, he's wow. like oh no I'll wait for you like it's fine Um so literally since day one he has been supporting me and encouraging me in this dream and he is equally such a hard worker and the funniest person I've ever met Um but he just has the kindest heart of anybody in the world I'm pretty sure so it's really really awesome to have him encourage my dreams and you know, push me forward and push me to be better and more creative and everything. He's just awesome. Awesome person.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I, I'm going to emphasize it again um, with the theme of this, this conversation. And that is, uh, and this is something I've actually realized more, uh, even in the last few months, Um, I've gone through a a major growth period, if you will, in the last three or four years of my life. And uh, one of the things that I've kind of come to conclusion of is uh, it, there's, there's really little in our lives. I mean, we, we can all talk about you know politics and religion and philosophy and all these things that we may differ on in, in some form or fashion. But at the end of the day, the one thing that we can all say we have in common uh, is relationships. And yeah. what more beautiful way to spend our time. I mean, granted, we have to run. We have to make a, a living somehow. And ideally, we get to do that through our own uh, entrepreneurship, through our own businesses, uh, but at the end of the day, to dedicate our time um, and to, to build our business in such a way that it enables us to dedicate our time to the important relationships in our life, I can't imagine a better way to spend time. And what a beautiful summation of, of a, an incredible relationship. I don't know how someone could get uh, anything more powerful Uh, out of life than, than what you described here in this, in this relationship. And, uh, I I think it was just a really, really beautiful thing to share with everyone. So I appreciate you doing that. When, when we talk about prioritizing relationships, what's something, or maybe a couple of things that, that you do, or you and Scott do to prioritize time for and with each other?
1: Yeah. So, well, I'll preface this by saying it wasn't always like this or that easy. And that's kind of why I got to this point of needing to create that as a value because it wasn't a value when I had been working my full-time job and trying to get my business off the ground, which is why I was like, okay, everything needs to change. So now, um, you know, I try to hang out with him every weekend. If I'm not shooting, we're always doing something together on the weekend, whether that's going to a winery or a cidery, there's a lot of them up in my town. Um, or just, Going for a hike or something like that, and he's actually flipping a house right now, so that's been taking up a lot of time. So, I've been lucky enough to have time in my business now that I can go over and help him paint or demo walls or frame walls and stuff. So, just spending time together, and I'm trying to even be more intentional about it. And told him that I want to create a bucket list for our summer so that every weekend that I don't have a shoot or like if I have a wedding Friday or Saturday, then on that Sunday, we're not just sitting around the house. We're actually doing something, getting outside because there's so much to do. And I feel like we need to kind of have a plan in order to make that happen. So we, we talk every morning. Um, we don't live together. So we just talk every morning and usually every night and then just try to see each other at least two to three times a week.
0: Well, and I love the simplicity of the notion of just simply doing it. When you talked about making that time, you just said you'd just make time. And uh, th- we actually had a photographer on the podcast a number of episodes ago who very simply summed up how she makes time for her kids or for her family, and it was just doing it. Uh, and yeah, it's priority. Exactly. And, and it's we can make excuses all day long about being busy with this or that. At the end of the day, Uh, We make time for what's important to us. And uh, so I think it's important that we all as business owners take some time, look at our day to day lives. And and I'm I'm speaking for myself, too, and look at how we're spending our time, because it is a very clear reflection of our priorities and to make sure that that relationships are at the top of that, because, wow, again. What more can you ask for than than beautiful relationships in life? So let's let's jump back to we're going to come back to to time and relationships here in just a little bit. But I want to get back to your businesses. You mentioned that you have two different businesses, Laura Lee Photography and then uh, Laura Lee Creative. Let's start with the photography business. How did you get started in photography in the first place?
1: Yeah, so super awesome. My mom is actually a photographer and has been ever since I was born. So we had a studio in my house growing up. Uh we had a dark room in my house growing up, so this is back in the film days. And so I pretty much grew up with a camera in my hand. I'm one of those people that was like crawling around at age one with a camera around her neck and oh, wow. crawling in the dark room and since I was about 12, I had been saying I wanted to be a wedding photographer because I think I went to my cousin's wedding when I was 12 or 13 and I was like, everybody's so happy, I wanna be a wedding photographer. And nobody really took me seriously, but one friend after graduating college was like, oh, you know, ever since I've known you, you said you wanted to be a wedding photographer. Like I realize you're not doing it. You're an architect, but, um, will you shoot my wedding? So I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. So that kind of, that was in 2013 and it all just snowballed from there. So it went from like two to six to 15 to 20 weddings last year and full calendar this year. So really, really awesome. And she was like, yeah, maybe it'll start as a side business. And, You can just do it as a hobby. And the second I got a taste of weddings and just actually shooting and getting paid for it for something I love, I was like, okay, this this needs to be my full time job. This is so much fun. So that's kind of how the photography business started. It was just always in my blood.
0: Wow. Okay. No, but you, you mentioned just very briefly in passing architect. Is that, you have your degree in architecture?
1: Yeah. So I went to school for interior design and architecture. So I was a senior designer at a firm doing nightclubs and restaurants and hotels and stuff like that for about three years before going full time with photography.
0: Oh, my goodness. Do you miss that at all? No. (laughs) Really? Why is that?
1: Um, it was really demanding schedule-wise, and the hospitality industry never sleeps. It's basically like New York. Uh, a lot of my projects were in New York and L.A., and although the projects were amazing and really fulfilling once you got to see them, yeah. it was so long-term. Like You could be working on the same restaurant for three years, so it might take three years to get that fulfillment, um, and it was just also really demanding with deadlines and schedules and budgets and all that and I didn't have a lot of time off so I was just like oh gosh I want to travel but luckily my my boyfriend is an architect. He loves his job, so I still get to hear about it and his flipping houses, and I'm sure once we're married, we'll flip houses together and stuff, so I definitely still get to dabble in it, which probably makes You get to live vicariously, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, I'm like, great. You can do all the work, and I'll just listen to you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I can imagine, at least based on what you're describing, that being in that world, it, it was not as relationship-centric as it is uh, yeah. in, in wedding photography.
1: Absolutely. And that was the thing that was so hard for me was I didn't feel like I was super appreciated in that world. But then that was juxtaposed to me shooting weddings on the weekends and all my clients were like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. We love you. It's so exciting for you to be sharing this day with us. And I just felt so appreciated and fulfilled on the weekends. And then I would go back to my day job Monday morning and it would just be like anxiety set in immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if I didn't have that photography contrasting it, I would have been stuck there a lot longer but knowing that there was something so good that could be waiting for me definitely made me kick it into high gear a lot faster
0: that's that's incredible well kudos to you and, and how long have you had your photography business then
1: uh 24 2013 was my first wedding 2014 i officially got my llc so this will be my fifth season and third full year
0: wow and and it seems like you've kind of catapulted i mean the business grew pretty quickly right
1: Yeah. Yeah. It exploded really quickly. I'm really grateful and blessed about that. And I have incredible, incredible couples. So I feel very lucky.
0: And what do you think is at the root of that growth? I mean, did you do something specific on the marketing side or was it the connections that you had? What what drove that growth?
1: Uh, Definitely, client experience is a huge one, and I actually talked about this on my webinar and like having a workflow and stuff like that. But to start my circle of clients, I actually ran a Facebook ad, and in four months, I think I booked like eight weddings or so from it. And then they all ended up referring me because I gave a great client experience, so that kind of started the ball rolling, and then Just giving them an awesome experience once they're booked was huge. So in 2016, going into 2017, I actually had 12 bookings just from my bride's referrals. And the year before, like when I didn't really have such a great client experience, not that it was bad, it just wasn't anything to write home about. I only had two. So having an awesome client experience definitely accelerated the growth really quickly.
0: Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned Facebook as well, because I wonder how many photography businesses are actively using Facebook ads to get new business. I mean, if you're if you're working uh, or if you have a high-end photography business, I would I would uh, assume that that's probably not the best avenue to new business. But um, I, I know the significant return on investment that we're getting. Through photographers edit, and running Facebook ads for photographers edit, I can. I'm really curious to see or to hear how much of the time photographers are actually using that that avenue of marketing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it worked really well for me. I I'll be totally uh, candid. I spent $700 in four months, and you know, booked over $30,000 in revenue from that. So it was a huge, huge return on investment. That's and amazing. I, I was able to target the areas that I wanted to work, which was great. And just in juxtaposition from something like the knot, which I have also advertised on back when I started, I I haven't in a couple years, but I got to target it a lot easier so I could target the rustic bride or the adventurous couple and stuff like that. So it was really, really helpful for me. I haven't done it since 2015 just because that got the ball rolling and now I don't need to advertise, um, thankfully. But Definitely something that I think photographers should look into.
0: Well, I can imagine. Again, and this is just an assumption on my part. I, I shot for about ten years, and I went from shooting. Uh, I think the first wedding was like three hundred and fifty bucks or two hundred and fifty bucks for the first wedding, and I lost money on that. But um, yep. all the way up to shooting a, a wedding for ten grand. And when you're when you're starting out, I, I know that we had a lot of success with uh, wedding or bridal shows. And I think that that, at least in some cases, anyway, at least in the local market was more successful when you were reaching out to a kind of a lower end client or a client who wasn't looking to pay as much. And I wonder if that might be the case for Facebook ads as well. But um, I I can imagine, I can also hear like, I can see in my head this, this very clickbaity title, like $700 for $30,000 in return. (laughs) You could like, you could totally, you could totally do a class on that. It's so funny, but no, that's, that's really fascinating, and I think that might be something to, um, I don't know, I'd be curious to dig into and to learn more about. But at this point, I mean, there are so many different photography businesses, wedding photography businesses. Uh, they're almost a dime a dozen. How do you set yourself apart? What's the brand position specifically for Laura Lee Photography?
1: Yeah, so my slogan, I guess you could say, is like creative photography for fun-loving adventurous couples uh so i really focus on people who love the outdoors and people who love to laugh when people aren't laughing at my bad jokes when i'm photographing (laughs) them i'm just like oh my god they must hate me so i just love people who love to laugh and you can just tell that they have a really fun loving side to each other um like as their relationship and just outdoorsy so I try to really narrow down what I'm putting on my website to showcase that. So if you go on my homepage, you know, there are farm weddings or mountaintop engagement sessions or a couple out on a canoe on a lake. So link attracts link and uh, it has worked really well in my business. And I definitely still get a slew of inquiries that aren't ideal. Not that the couple is not awesome, but I just try to stay away from banquet halls and, ballrooms and stuff like that and it I still get a lot of those inquiries but I'm at a point that I can be a little more selective so I think just also incorporating all of that branding into my website like there's a whole section of my website that talks about travels and my love for the outdoors and on my Instagram I always try to have travel posts or pictures of mountains and on my insta stories if I'm going for a hike I'll make sure to put that on there and you know, just yesterday I booked uh, two mountaintop weddings. So definitely putting out what you want to get back is really important.
0: That's such a good reminder, even for me and and the various businesses that I'm either involved in currently or interested in in launching. It's, you know, it's so easy to, I was just reading something um, that was talking about how it's easy to get caught up in the kind of have to mentality versus doing what you actually want to. And I, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to live in a, in a country where we have incredible opportunities to, to simply do what we want to. It takes, may take a little bit of work to get it started, um, but as you said, you put it out there and you can get that in return. And uh, I think that's really interesting, especially when it comes to creating a distinct position for a photography business. And I've t- told this story multiple times over, but I remember going to networking meetings for wedding vendors in the area, in the Chattanooga area where I live and photographers we would go to a networking meeting there might be five six seven photographers and they'd all kind of introduce themselves in, in a similar fashion they would say I'm so and so photography and I specialize in and then they'd list you know three or four or five or six different things and of course you're not really specializing if you're doing all those things but what it what it translated to then for all the people the other non-photographers who were listening in is there you've got just kind of a a generic photographer here. Here's somebody here's yet another person who's doing the exact same thing as as the other person before them. And there's no distinct position. There's nothing that sets them apart clearly. And so it looks like you are very proactively uh, attempting to create that that clear distinction, that position for yourself. I love that. And uh, I think that a lot of photographers can can learn from that example. Would you say that that the I mean, what percentage of the clients who come to you? I know you said that there are some that come to you that are not a good fit. What percentage of the clients that come to you do fit what you're looking for? And would you say that that's that's a result of the way that your your website's designed, or where does that come from?
1: I think there is a s- definitely smaller percentage that I would like of ideal clients. But what I have found is that those are the ones that end up booking. So I get, you know, last year I think I got almost 200 inquiries. So hard to figure out percentage wise. But like a lot of them are just still price shopping. Or they don't even go onto the investment page on my website. They don't click through the about page. But I find that the inquiries that come in that are quality that have read my about page and stuff like that they are the ones that end up booking so I feel like they automatically feel that there is also a connection and I put that like I want to just mention that people should definitely put what makes them personally unique like on my website I just have things that I love like I love elephants and the number one thing on my bucket list is to go to New Zealand or go to an elephant sanctuary in Thailand and like I booked a Sixty-seven hundred-dollar wedding on somebody who loves elephants. So, just having those things that aren't necessarily just like, "Oh, I'm a wedding photographer because I love love." Um, we all <laughs> love love. Um, so I just That's so think, true. Yeah. So I just think telling I always try to encourage people to dig deeper than that so even in my Tuesdays Together group when we're introducing ourselves most of us are just like oh I'm a photographer Um, but I like to encourage people and I always say I'm a photographer for adventurous fun-loving couples Um, so it digs a little deeper kind of just like working on your elevator pitch to figure out what your onlyness factor is.
0: Yeah, and there's so many different things we could talk about here. First of all, uh, Tuesdays Together, for those of you who aren't familiar with um, the Rising Tide Society, the Tuesdays Together are the local chapters or local groups associated with the Rising Tide Society. And if you're looking for a network of photographers to hang out with, or creatives really, um, but there are certainly many photographers to hang out with, spend time with, network with, um, make sure that you look up your local chapter. Um, but you, you mentioned um the elevator pitch and and this is something that is that has interested me for the longest time. It seems like many business owners haven't actually well i think there's two two things involved one they just haven't taken the time to really think through what their position actually is. Um, they may be able to say they're a wedding photographer or i'm a you know a modern or contemporary wedding photographer, uh, but they haven't as you said, dug deep. They haven't gone deeper than that and and really gotten specific. And then as a result, their elevator pitch uh, is more like, you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. And they'll be lucky in some cases if they get it in in that amount of time because they're hemming and hawing and they're not sure even what they actually stand for. So for those of you business owners, photographers in particular, who have not taken the time to really clearly establish, A, what your business model is, and then as a result of that business model, what your brand position is, Take some time and do that because, I mean, it, it certainly makes life easier, your marketing efforts easier. And as a result, and, and as uh, Laura is such a good example, um, you ultimately get to work with the clients that you actually want to work with. And then the other thing that you, you pointed out um, was not just simply kind of rambling on about the same thing that everybody else does. Um, emphasis on rambling there because I know that some photographers about pages uh, I mean, I'd, I'd fall asleep reading them. They just go on and on and on and on and on about themselves. And, it, and it's, it's one thing to share uh, something unique about yourself in, in, a, um, in a very simple and clear way, which you've done a beautiful job of. It's another thing to just go on and on and on about yourself. And at a certain point, people are not going to be as interested anymore. So I, I love that you got really specific and the fact that somebody literally booked a wedding because you're interested in elephants, again, I think it's a brilliant example of how that specificity makes such a big difference. So that's really, really cool. Now, um, in addition to Laura Lee Photography, you have Laura Lee Creative. How, First of all, what is Laura Lee Creative? And then how do you keep those two businesses, those two brands separate?
1: Yeah, so Laura Lee Creative actually just launched officially about a week ago. I haven't even announced it publicly yet. It's oh, wow. just kind of sitting there. Um, I'm excited to was... tell the
0: world about it. And this yeah, is great. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah, I pretty much the website went live with Grace and Gold, designed my website, and they did an amazing job. So shout out to them. But I was launching my first product on a webinar for photographers. So I didn't want to kind of muddy the waters with two launches at the same time. So sure. but Laura Creative is the educational side of my business. And my elevator pitch for that here we go with the elevator pitch um, is to empower photographers and creative entrepreneurs to build a profitable business and fulfilling life with education designed to help you save time and make more money so i focus on workflow products and systems and productivity resources and stuff like that so i have a whole slew of ideas that i want to incorporate into this but basically i want to redefine how entrepreneurs are running their businesses and their lives i want to prove that we can achieve work-life balance as business owners while growing successful businesses at the same time. So I definitely believe you can have the best of both worlds. So that's kind of what Laura Lee Creative is. And it's kind of an umbrella brand. I'm going to attempt to merge the two brands in the future and like I only have one Instagram, Laura Lee Creative, so all of the things fall under that. Um, but I do have two websites right now, one for each. But I'm thinking of merging the blogs and having just the educational side of the business and a photography side of the business. I'm just trying to figure out logistically how that is going to work and brand-wise how that's going to work. But the brands definitely have an overlap. I mean, my photography is very similar. It's about relationships obviously, and it's about travel and adventure and Laura creative. Those are the core values is adventure and relationships, passion, travel, stuff like that. So that is kind of the other side of things.
0: Well, and you made a point, which is a really important one, which is that, that, that business owners, photographers can have both, right? They can have a successful business and they can also have a life. Now, yes. to be clear, it, it takes work to get a business Absolutely. going. And you got to put the time and the effort in. And uh, but I think you know, and I've I've been listening to, and, and maybe you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. I know that he's gained mm-hmm. some popularity over the last um, year or two, in particular. And I, I I listened to a good bit of his content, or have, and, and have read. I think at least two of his books, or listened to two of his books at this point. Um, and he's he's inspirational, inspirational for a number of reasons. One of which is just his incredible work ethic but what you have to keep in mind is that Gary has a particular end goal in mind that may not yep. be the exact same as yours and and I have to actually kind of remind myself of this as I'm listening to what you know what he describes as kind of the acceptable work ethic because he's got a particular end goal in mind that is not mine. I've got a particular end goal uh, that certainly is not his. And so what the amount of money, first of all, that I want to make is is kind of one aspect, and this is something I've talked about a number of times before, but of my big picture view. Uh, but the other really, really important component, and, and just as important really, is the amount of time that I want to put into a work week in order to make that certain amount of money. And those things kind of balance each other out. If I want to make X amount, um, but I have to work 80 hours a week, well, that's just not going to work for me because my yep. end goal looks different than that. So, um, it, it's really important, uh, first of all, certainly that you realize that you can have that, that balance. You can you can have a successful business. You can also have time. But in order to get to that place, it starts with establishing what your big picture view is. What does this look like in five years, 10 years, 20? Where do you want to be? And that will help you then design the business model uh, that will enable you to get to that place. And that's really important. But w- where did this passion come? for helping photographers get their lives come come from i mean you alluded to this a little bit earlier but but tell us a little bit more about that
1: yeah so it's kind of funny funny story it sort of happened by accident like i never ever thought i would be an educator or have special knowledge in a certain niche or anything like that so it kind of happened by accident i started leading my tuesdays together group as right when rising tide started like i've followed Natalie Frank for years. And so as soon as rising tide became a thing, I was like, Oh, I would love to leave, lead our local Tuesdays together group. And I, we had a couple of meetings out by my fire pit, or I would sit out by my fire pit one-on-one with people in the group. And we would just kind of like cry over wine about how much our business is taking over our life. And for me personally, I was in that same boat as soon as I quit my full-time job, I was like, yay, freedom. And then I was like, oh my gosh, my to-do list is gonna take me a year. Yeah. So it was just like immediate burnout And anxiety and I didn't have a lot of passion for my business anymore and I had literally just quit so I was like well this is a problem because I just quit my job to do this business and I just feel so burnt out from it already so um, and I noticed other people were feeling the same so after that I was like well there definitely has to be a better way you know in college as a design major you pretty much work 18 to 20 hours a day for four years straight and it's miserable and our teachers would always be like work smarter not harder and i was like okay i don't know how to do that so i was (laughs) like all right well everybody's been telling me this for years so i better figure it out so i actually sat down at my dining room table and i made a workflow And I color-coded it and highlighted it, and I rated things on a scale from one to five of what I liked and what I didn't like, what I was going to outsource and let go of, and what I was going to continue to do. And then once I had it written down, I was able to see what things could be automated and what things could be done faster, what software should I be using. And then I went from delivering weddings in six weeks down to one. So that was really incredible, but I realized how many people struggled with this just from leading my Tuesdays Together group and... I just felt like so many people were coming to meetings or not coming to meetings. They would come and they'd be exhausted or they would not come because they had so much on their to-do list and they had to get caught up. And it was just a never-ending rat race. Like everybody was always just in maintenance mode and they were never actually growing their business. So I was... I kind of made the workflow for myself, and then a couple people in my group asked if I would help them with their workflows. So I started doing one on one mentoring around my fire pit with wine, of course, and cheese and crackers. And of course. I called them the fire pit sessions. <laughs> and then
0: I, can I ask you, were those paid sessions, yeah. or were they were you just giving your time?
1: Uh, so they were paid sessions. Yes, yeah. so I did a four hour mentoring intensive that like i gave them a really really extensive questionnaire before the mentoring session and then i built an entire workflow for them in checklist form and then we kind of created the system around it during their mentoring session i taught them the ins and outs of their new workflow and um i was specifically focusing on post-production but i actually worked with like another you know, creative business owner, hair and makeup artist. So that was totally new to me. But I am just very, very type A and very organized. I get that from my mom. And we are always writing lists and organizing things and making things faster. So I opened it up to other creatives too. And just the, that's kind of when I realized that I needed to make this more scalable because I was getting emails like you saved my marriage and now I get to see my kids and my son who's two years old, like actually gets wow. to see my face and not my computer screen. And literally every single email I got just made me ball my eyes out yeah. because I was like, this is just everything I want for, for you and for my clients and for myself. Like I just, I want, you know, those relationships and that was the main focus. And I was like, well, if, these three to four people from my group needed it, then I'm sure other people are also struggling with it. So that's when I kind of decided to make Lauralee Creative actually a thing and started creating products and stuff like that. So that's kind of the backstory of it.
0: Wow, well, I, the reason I ask you first of all about, about the whether or not you charge for it is one of the things that i found over the years is, is as much as I wanted to help photographers with the workflow aspect of their business, um, it seemed as though they, uh, and, and this is t- putting it loosely, really, they'd take it with a grain of salt. So yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd spend an hour, two hours, three hours, however much time, not only investing in teaching them, but, but lurking, looking through their workflow or an aspect of the workflow and helping them with that. And um, the number of times that I invested in those photographers and it seemed like they, they could have just taken it or, or left it. Um, and didn't really actually apply it. And, and, and I, you know, I'm wondering why am I giving of all of this time and, and it's not really making that big of a difference in their lives. Uh, it seems like maybe at, at least asking for an investment up front means that they take it a little bit more seriously maybe.
1: Yeah. And I think once like I go up in price with that, it'll be taken even more seriously. Right. Um, but that's definitely the struggle. And I know you know, I love learning like we talked about in the beginning. Um, I think before we were even recording, just not like how much I love learning and taking courses and it's definitely hard. Like I do a lot of listening and absorbing and not always applying, which I definitely see uh, with a lot of my one-on-one mentoring clients. They're like, this is so great. It's just, it's very difficult to break bad habits. And I yes. don't think it's that they don't want to make the change. I think it's just... You know, it's like quitting smoking. I mean, I never smoked, but I imagine it's probably really hard. So it's just kind of the same type of thing. Just breaking a bad habit is really difficult. So right. I'm trying to kind of change my one-on-one mentoring structure to have more accountability. So I would follow up with them and give them specific homework every week and maybe not go full force right away. Like I'll I'll give them the workflow and then give them certain aspects to work on every week and just – have kind of – just have like a one-day one, one day intensive or half a day intensive and then for the next eight weeks just follow up with them because I know that's my problem. I have business coaches that I've been working with for I think over a year now and just having them – I mean, one, they're amazing and give me so much – knowledge that I've never had before but just the accountability knowing that like okay somebody is expecting me to actually get this done is really helpful so I think I'm going to try and incorporate that into it because you know the the point of it is not to make money the point is to actually help people and if they're not implementing it then it's not helpful so
0: well and the fact that you're breaking it up over time it's that makes sense too because I know and I, I deal with this in my my own business and my personal life when I take something on that's that is overwhelming, that is a big project, right, that's made up of a number of moving parts, it can be overwhelming. When you hand uh, a, a suggestion, make it, give advice to a photographer about their workflow and things that they can change, as life-changing as it would be if they were to simply implement it, for most, this is this is something that breaks, as you said, a, a habit or a series of habits, a pattern that they're comfortable with, that they're used to, and it seems overwhelming. So breaking that up over time, kind of giving it to them in pieces and and then lending some accountability. I think that's a really great way to go about it. Um, I'd I'd love for you to just share, we're kind of to the end of our conversation here, but I'd love for you to share one or two tips um, that you think would make a big impact on the photographers who are listening, something that would help them save a significant amount of time in their business.
1: Yeah. Okay. So First of all, absolutely, number one, create a workflow. I was actually really shocked. At, I think I, in, not interviewed, but I sent a questionnaire out to like over 50 photographers, and most of them said they did not have a workflow. So that was really shocking to me. And I think it's kind of just a right right brain, left brain thing. You know, we're more creative than analytical most of the time. I sure. think I'm, I'm more analytical, but definitely writing down a workflow and then having an actual order of like this is when things happen you know that's what a workflow is but also the biggest game changer for me was breaking things into smaller steps so like we just said overwhelm if i'm throwing this whole thing at you or you have this huge goal you know to make a hundred thousand dollars or something like that it's not going to happen overnight you need to think of all the baby steps that are going to make that happen so that's how I created my workflow. And the product that I had just launched, it was a workflow for photographers that was broken down into 107 steps for the post production workflow. And the reason it's not that it takes any longer than you know, a five step workflow, it actually takes a lot shorter. But the reason I built it like that is because I would get home from a wedding and be super overwhelmed to cull 4,500 pictures. So I would break that down into sections of the day, like cull the bride prep, cull groom prep, cull bridal details, stuff like that. And it just allowed me to build momentum in my workflow and have the energy, I guess you could say, to keep going. And I used to get really paralyzed by all these big overwhelming tasks. So I would just say breaking... Any big goal or any workflow or anything down into smaller steps will really, really help people build momentum. And then the last thing, just prioritize, whether that is prioritizing your to do list for the day and not multitasking, like doing things one by one is the way to go. We actually lose 40% productivity if we try to multitask. So that's 16 hours a week if you're working like a average entrepreneur does. Wow. And, uh, so definitely not multitasking and just prioritizing and, you know, it might not be prioritizing your to do list. It might be prioritizing your values. So your, your relationship, self care, stuff like that. Um, cause I definitely believe that in order to pour into other people and pour into our clients, we ourselves need to be in a good headspace. And so that's a really important value of mine as well.
0: Oh, man, there's so many different things we or so many different directions we could take this conversation. Uh, But just to to uh, to keep things simple for now. First of all, when you talk about outlining the workflow, can you give an example? Like, are are we talking about I know you talked about post production, but are we talking about literally outlining the workflow for a full day and, and that kind of detail?
1: Yes. So I, my, get, I,
0: I get up in the morning and I brush my teeth and then I, I go no, change not my neck. Like, <laughs> no, like not how, quite. how so, detail are we getting? <laughs> so,
1: for like the post production workflow example, like if photographers write down their main things that they work on in their business, so they come home from a wedding, obviously they import memory cards, they cull, they edit, they blog they market they design an album so writing all those down you forgot down send and to
0: photographers edit that's, that's send very important to ph- stuff in
1: outsource yes <laughs> oh my god yes um <laughs> highly recommend it you guys anybody listening um but breaking all so i write all those things down and in what order they need to happen and then breaking all those down into smaller steps so I just have a workflow for my entire post wedding system, the entire pre wedding system, but then like on my days like my daily to-do list, I definitely on days where I'm like really struggling to get the ball rolling or be productive, I will literally put things on my list like brush my teeth, make a cup of coffee because sometimes you just need to psychologically cross something off and highlight yes. it off your list and build momentum. So yeah. on the on the struggle bus days, I definitely will do that. And I struggle
0: bus days. I like that.
1: (laughs) And I like to also I don't do this all the time, but it's really helpful to actually set a time frame around your tasks. So I think a lot of people, myself included, will make a to do list that's like 100 miles long and then get really discouraged when you don't finish that. But if you know that you have eight hours to work in a day and you have to watch a class for an hour and you need to call a wedding that's going to take an hour or half an hour or something like that, you want to actually block out time segments in your day to get those things done. Otherwise, you're just going to be really upset at the end of the day that you didn't get everything done, but realistically, you didn't have a thousand hours in your day to get everything on it done. So putting times to your tasks is also a good one.
0: Wow. You know, I I know I have questions and just because of time today, I'm I'm not (laughs) going to continue to ask them, but uh, I know if I have questions, certainly the photographers are also going to have questions. And so in just a second here, I'd love for you to share how they can learn more about this workflow. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, though, you mentioned not multitasking. Yes. I, there are so many photographers out there who talk about you know I was I, I watched such and such show on Netflix while I was editing and I was oh, doing this thing yeah. while I was doing that, and, and they say so well I'm, I'm I'm a good multitasker. What what would you say in no response to them?
1: There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Your productivity is getting cut in half. You know, even like simple things like walking and talking that is really hard for the brain to do. Like your brain literally is not capable of focusing on two different things at once. So I would say the people who think they're good at multitasking, you're actually half-assing both the things that you're trying to do.
0: <laughs> That's a brilliant way to put it. And we'll just leave it at that. So yeah. um, where can photographers learn more? I mean, certainly I, I'd, I'd like I'd love for you to point them in the the direction of your photography business so they can see your work. But um, I think even more importantly, and especially for the sake of conversation today, how can they find out more about these workflows that you're talking about? How can they learn them? How can they um, maybe find out about webinars that you're doing, this type of thing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, my educational site is easy. It's lauraleecreative.com. So L-A-U-R-A-L-E-E creative.com. And there are links. I actually have at least three freebies up on my website. If they go to the shop page right now, there's a blogging system for what. A- wedding photographers up there how to automate day one of your workflow and an export preset bundle to save you at least 50 hours or more a year so those three things are up there and if anybody is like super interested in the workflow um the playbook uh that i've been working on it's the wedding photographers playbook just launched last week on a webinar so that is out in the open now if anybody is interested in that i have like a bitly link for it so it's bit.ly slash Wedding Playbook Webinar 2. And that will take them to the page that is all about the workflow and the systems that I use to basically turn around my weddings in like less than 10 hours. Like I shot a wedding on Saturday and I finished it yesterday around lunchtime. So really quick. So now I have the rest of the week to work on educational stuff or go paddle boarding or hang out with my boyfriend. So Freeze
0: up a lot of time. Uh, that's, well, you know, and, and this is something that I can't help, but I mean, having photographed weddings for 10 years or so, um, I have personal experience, but I, when I hear photographers talking about being busy uh, or too busy to do this or too busy to do that, and and they're shooting 15, 20 weddings a year, I kind of wonder how they're spending their day and ultimately their week, because I, I, I'm not I'm not sure how it is that they're running out of time. If they just mm-hmm. have to book 15 or 20 weddings, they can send their images off to be processed elsewhere, so they don't have to do that, um, they can automate a lot of their workflow with some pretty wonderful tools these days and, and kind of minimize the number of moving parts so that they don't have too many moving parts in their business that are unnecessary. Uh, if they're doing these things and they're applying the types of workflows that, that you share at lauraleecreative.com, they, there's really no reason why they shouldn't have a ton of free time to, exactly. certainly to build their business, but then also to invest in those relationships um, as, as you discussed earlier. So this is really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. I can't thank you enough for making time to come on the podcast. We're probably going to have to do a part two at some point because there's so much to yeah, dive into definitely. here, but, um, you guys make sure you check out, uh, Laura's website. Well, both websites, LauraLeePhotography.com for the photography website, but then LauraLeeCreative.com. You can also find Laura on Instagram at LauraLeeCreative. And, yeah that'll uh,
1: actually have all the links because uh, my photography website is actually I'm but it's very oh, it's perfect, not difficult okay. to spell but um if people follow me on instagram at Laura Lee creative and they go to the link in my profile it'll have links to. Everything I talked about today—the the playbook, my educational site, photography site, the blog, all that—so perfect. That's probably the way to go. And thanks Instagram. for
0: that correction. I actually had that written right here. I'm I'm LauraLee.com is the photography website. LauraLeeCreative.com uh, for the educational yes. uh, information and um, and then Laura Lee Creative on Instagram. So again, thank you, Laura, for your time. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your passion and everything that you're doing for the photo industry and. Uh, Guys, make sure that you go check out lauraleecreative.com. We'll talk to you more soon, Laura.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan, at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.